of First Peter today. I was a little surprised, and I shouldn't be as a pastor, but I was, that uh, there's a Sunday school class going through First Peter. And so for those of you who have already been through this, I apologize, but hopefully the Lord will speak to you today. I really believe that God has this message for someone, because we were supposed to, according to my plans, finish the Why Church series today before the incomparable illustrious Troy Mason preaches next week, but the Lord has uh, laid this on my heart this week, particularly from that song that we just sang, Our Living Hope. How key is that, a living hope? Because in this world, there's a black and white, there's an easy thing for us to comprehend. Uh, there's an up and there's a, help me preach this morning, there's an up and there's a there's black and there's, see like these monitors, there's black and white. There's alive and Mr. Merck, help me out, there's dead. This is living hope. When we think about the truth of living versus dead, there's some things that come to mind that should revolutionize our thinking. But when we're faced with difficulties in our life and we're faced in situations where it seems hopeless. What do we do? Sometimes we find ourselves struggling, don't we? I don't know about you, but I've had times when I've struggled, when I've wondered what tomorrow will hold, what tomorrow will bring. I wasn't even sure if I wanted tomorrow to even come. It was tiring, and I was ready for heaven. Thanks be unto God, I'm past that. And I know that there is a living hope. When we get to here in 1 Peter uh, many of you may know that it's written by one of the disciples by the name of Peter. And he is writing to a group of born-again believers who are scattered abroad. They are considered aliens where they're living because they're not living in Jerusalem. They're living in other places that's not conducive to the Jewish culture. So they're aliens living in these places. And because of that, they are being faced with persecution. They are being called names, they are being pushed around, they are being persecuted in many ways because they would not worship the emperor and call him a god. So they were considered atheists and traitors. They refused to worship at the pagan temples so they would lose business and people wouldn't trade with them. They didn't support the Roman idea of self-power and conquering. Rather, they were servants serving and calling each other's brothers and sisters. And, and the Greeks and the Romans thought that was just weird. So they were being persecuted in many ways. But let me tell you, as Warren Wiersbe has said, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted trusted. If a faith, if your faith comes up against something that is just a little difficult and the faith runs away, then you cannot trust that faith. You need to examine that faith and see what's going on. See, God brings three things into our life sometimes. He allows some things to happen. One is temptations. Temptations come into our life by the evil one and by our flesh, that fallen part of man that brings us to a place where temptation wants to destroy us and tear us down and take us backwards and away from God. A trial is there 
to build us up, to make us stronger, to make us have swelling in the arms like uh, uh, Richard Bailey's got. He's got these big biceps back there, and he just he needs to go to the doctor. That swelling can't be normal in his arm like that. I, I don't have swelling like that. But when we work out, when we try hard, when we exercise, we are building something. That's what trials do. Trials come along to build us in our faith. And then tests come along to see where we are in our faith. And we find here in 1 Peter, we find that Peter is writing to a group of people who are going through trials and tests. I want us to begin reading in verse 3 today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again To a living hope. Somebody say living hope. It is alive, people. It is alive and well. Let's continue reading verse 3. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we look at this living hope, this idea of of, of, of this this hope has this, this meaning of being eager and anticipation, expectation. It's alive, it's breathing, it's something is going on to make you excited. So this morning as I talk about the living hope, I want you to write down something we see in verse 3 that's very important. And that is that the living hope is anchored in the past. Anchored in the past. What do you mean, Pastor? Uh, Let's read verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The past that we can hold on to is not what happened yesterday or last month, but what happened at the tomb on that third day after Jesus died on the cross when Jesus raised from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, may I declare to you, Jesus is alive. And it is in the past, and He is alive. I have a rope this morning. Some of you may recognize... That this looks like something you'd see in the Marines. I got this from my neighbor. I got to figure out how to undo this thing. He used this when he served in the Marines. He got this. And he has used it to rappel off of mountains and do many things. As a matter of fact, a lot of ropes like this. (laughs) I don't know that I'm man enough to do this. They would rappel out of helicopters on this rope. I'm sorry i got uh, other things I'd like to do instead of rappel out of a helicopter with a rope. I, it sounds like fun. If you like to do that, God bless you. Just call me. I'll come watch and be ready to, re, to, to say prayers over you in Scripture as you lay before me on the ground. But anyway, this is a rope. This rope was important to these people coming out of the helicopter. And I need a volunteer on this side over here somewhere, like someone like Jason Corzan. He's a, he's a great guy. What I'd like for you to do, Mr. Jason, I'd like for you to come up here and get a hold of this rope, and I'd like for you to pull it all the way to your seat this morning, all the way over there to where you are. Here you go. Without hitting you in the head with it. Now, we've got to see if I can do this without it getting all tangled up. Because this is important. All right, he's taking this to his seat. Now, what am I going to do with this rope? Uh-huh. Y'all, y'all can't get out that way to use the bathroom now. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, so this is a rope right here that's going this way. Let's consider this as the past is to my left. That's the past right over there. Now, as we look at this, we can see Peter is saying that... Uh, because of God's great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If I was in a, a boat and I'm going down a river or a canoe and I'm going down the river, I lose my oar and I'm stuck and I need help, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and hope I have a rope in the boat and I'm going to take that rope and I'm going to throw it around a rock. And I'm going to try my best to pull that rock to me. Is that right? I'm not going to pull that rock to me. I'm going to pull myself to the rock, right? I'm going to try my, my best to get to that which is the foundational security that's attached to the rope. Now, what Peter is saying here is whenever we find ourselves in persecution and trouble and difficulty, he's saying to throw out a lifeline, and that lifeline needs to go to the past all the way to Jesus when he rose from the dead. Not the cross, ladies and gentlemen. The cross is important. But listen, this is about us who have been born again. We have been born again to a living hope. We have been born again. We have been saved, renewed, and we are brand new creation. But for those of us who have been born again, we don't go to the cross. We go to the empty tomb, ladies and gentlemen, to find the living hope because Jesus isn't dead. He isn't on the cross. You can't go find his bones laying somewhere. He is alive. That. That's where one of our anchor ropes need to go, and that is to the past, to Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is alive. So we need to remember the past. Now, I'd love to tell you to remember some of those things that God has done for you, that, that where He has delivered you and He has given you hope in times of hopelessness. And that would be important and good. But I'm here to tell you the best place to go is to the living Christ in the past when He rose from the dead. That's what separates Him from everything else. The second thing is this. I want us to look at verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Oh my goodness. He's still talking about the living hope here in verse 4, but he's talking about another anchor rope. He's talking about the other end of this, this rope. I need a volunteer, and I think Christian would be the perfect one. He knew I was going to call on him. Christian, I need you to take this anchor rope right here, and I need you to stretch it out your way. I'm going to hit you in the head. <laughs> Christian is an outdoorsman. He is a man who knows how to take care of yourself when you're outside. He carries rope with him when he goes into the woods and the wilderness. Take that with you there, Christian. Now, here's the thing. There's an anchor rope going to my left, which has to do with the past. There's an anchor rope going to my right that has to do with the future. The living hope is anchored in the future. Look at what Paul, Peter says here in verse, uh, verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That is in heaven. It's reserved. It is the future. It's keeping your mind on the things to come and what has happened in the past. And these two things are tied together. See, this is one rope. You can't separate this rope. Now, if I cut it, my neighbor would probably be pretty upset that I cut this. So I'm not going to cut this. This is a very precious rope to him. This rope is all one rope because the resurrection of Christ and the eternity in heaven are tied to the same thing. And I just happen to be right here. 
And when I find myself in moments of hopelessness, you know what I need to hold on to? Not the answer to my problem, not the hopes that things are going to get better, not in the moment where I am, but I need to pick up the anchor ropes. I need to pick up the one that leads me back to the, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the one that's going to take me to heaven to know that one day all this will be left behind. And look at what's coming up in the future. It's an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. You, you know what that means? It means it's perfect. It means that it's not going anywhere. It is secure. It is an anchor you can hold on to. Somebody say, praise God. We have an anchor that goes to the past, which is the resurrection of Jesus, and an anchor that goes to the future when we get to be with Jesus in heaven and get an inheritance that's beyond our comprehension. Let me tell you today, we need a, a living hope in our life. It will not be brought by our government and laws and regulations, and it will not be brought by better school systems. It's only going to be brought by what these two anchors are tied to, and that is Jesus Christ himself. It's not going to be, be uh, uh, better teachers in schools. It's going to be Jesus in the hearts of the kids who are in school. That's what's going to make a difference. This anchor is Jesus. And our problem today is we begin to look for hope right where we are, we try to find it in the moments that we're living. But the living hope, according to Peter, is found in the resurrection of Christ and our inheritance coming in heaven. That's imperishable, that will not change, that is absolutely perfect. See, here's what I love about this. Check this out, Mr. Burke. These anchors are not secured by my obedience. They're secured by God's mercy. See, listen to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, not because I deserve it, not because I want it, but because of His great mercy, not because I've obeyed and I've done the right things, but because of His great mercy, He has called us to be born again to a living hope. There isn't an if, and, or but about it. We have a living hope when we grab a hold of the past of Jesus' resurrection and the future of our internal, eternal inheritance by God's great mercy. This eternal security is based on God's faithfulness and His mercy, not my obedience. But the question comes, Pastor, I'm living in this moment and I'm struggling to have hope. I've tried, I've, I've read the Bible, I've come to church, I've tried listening to Christian music and I just feel like I have no hope. It does not make you less of a Christian if you don't have hope. Because the hope that God has extended to you is not based on what you do. I just explained that. It is based on what Jesus has already done. When Jesus died on the cross, oh, his work here on earth was finished. But the living hope wasn't completed until he rose from the dead on that third and glorious day. When he came up from the grave, he ensured that, that anchor in the past and he assured that anchor in the future that when we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a living hope. It's not dead, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is not dead. It's time for us to stop acting like he is and get the frowns off of our faces and put smiles as we walk, walk around and say, my Jesus is alive. I have a living, living and breathing hope and his name is Jesus. So what do we do? How do we get there? Well, I want to assure you of this. The living hope is a present reality. 
It is a present reality. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a going to be alive hope. Could be alive. Maybe a hope. It's a living hope. Can I tell you something? If something is alive, it's very present, is it not? If something is living, it's presently. Are you living right now? Are you alive right now? Is George Washington alive? No, he's not in the present, is he? But we are because we are alive. We have a living hope and we are here and we are alive. So it's a present reality. But I want you, us to look at verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me tell you something. That verse is about the present reality. God is protecting it. He don't have to protect it in the future or in the past. He's protecting it right now. That living hope is preserved and the power of God through faith is alive and it's present. Here's the foundation I want you to get. Because no matter what pain or trial we face, we can know it is not our final experience. Here is the deal. The living hope's foundation who is based on the living, resurrected Christ. Do you hear me, church? The living, resurrected Christ. Without Jesus, there is no hope, according to Ephesians chapter 2. Just as faith without works With works is alive, faith with a living hope has power. See, that living hope is still here. It is still around. It is still present. Believers deserve judgment and wrath. We deserve God's judgment and His wrath. We deserve to be left. But God, in all His great mercy and grace, has bestowed upon us a salvation that just doesn't punch our ticket to get into heaven, but to, gives a, to give us a living hope that we have heaven and we have a resurrected Christ. We don't worship a God that is dead, ladies and gentlemen. We worship a God that is alive, and that is Jesus. He is alive. And we often think about time in the here and now. And we become overwhelmed, don't we? It seems like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get over this? How am I going to get through this? This is a very long rope, is it not? Let's pretend like this rope is a representation of eternity. I am going to put a mark on this rope that's going to last 100 years. Let's say it's from uh, 1920 to 2020. That's next year. Let's make it 150. Let's make it 200. 1900 to 2100. Let's make it 200. How's that sound? All right. I'm going to put a mark that's going to represent 200. All right. There's a mark. Represents 200 years of eternity. Do you see it? 200 years. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. What you're going through right now, whether it's a week, whether it's a day, whether it's 50 years compared to what happened at the, at the resurrection of Christ and what will happen in eternity is nothing compared to that. Peter understood that and he had to tell his fellow believers, listen, you're suffering, you're being persecuted, it's tough right now, but hold on to the anchor that Jesus is alive and hold on that one day you get an inheritance which is in heaven. 
Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is something to praise God about. This is something to get excited about, that in the minutia of our life, and we think it's going to last forever, it's not compared to eternity. That 200 years is nothing. So what must we do? Well, let's look at what Peter says in verse 6. Man, this is good stuff. In this you greatly rejoice. I'm waiting, church. Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. Okay. The Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. Church, in this living hope, Peter says, in this, in this, you greatly rejoice. Let's praise God for it. We cannot remember who won the national championship five or six years ago. Well, let's go beyond the Clemson reign. Let's go back 20 years ago. We can't. Re- I don't even remember who won the, the, the Super Bowl. And I, you know what? Can I tell you something? I'm just going to be honest. I really don't care. You know what I care about? That people can get the living hope that's tied to the resurrection of Jesus and they've got an eternity and they've got an anchor to hold on to. That's what matters. And I have a little spot on this timeline that I'm responsible for. And if I get caught up in all the junk, I'm going to miss the glories of the anchor that he has for us. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for just a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Can I tell you something, church? We need to rejoice in Christ today. That's the difference. And when we understand the living hope, it may be tough. These people were being persecuted. They would eventually be killed for their faith. But Peter says, oh, it's only temporary. Don't worry, because there is a greater hope, a living hope that's alive. Jesus ain't dead. He's right there with you. You, he hasn't left you. He, is, he has got something in store for you that's great. Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. Oh, my goodness. Gold, gold, is, gold is precious, is it? Not ask Buddy. Buddy has a jewelry store. Uh, Buddy, how, how precious is gold? It's very precious. My wedding ring is made of gold. And the beauty... Of a really gold, not a knockoff, but real gold, is it's reflective. Can you imagine? Listen at this. Oh, this is beautiful. Boy, this is, this is big. This is huge. It says that through the trials and the testing, God is refining our faith like gold. You know what happens when you refine it and you get out all the impurities and the person that's working on it's doing it? You know what they begin to see? Check this out. Their own reflection. 
when God's beginning to work on you and refine you like gold, He's looking at you and He's beginning to see you, His self in you as a reflection because you're going through that stuff that's getting rid of the junk, the, the stuff that doesn't need to be there, the things that's just dragging you down. You're rising above it. You're becoming something greater than you ever thought possible. Whew, this is good preaching. I'm enjoying it whether you are or not. Verse 8, and, the, and, and though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, what do we do, church? You greatly rejoice with joy inexpre- inexpressible and full of glory. When we come to the realization of the living hope we have in Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the eternity that we can't help but have a joy inside of us when everything is going wrong around us. Something that gives us uh, that outlook to say it's not simply about today but it's about what's going to be happening in eternity. Yeah, I've got to deal with bills today. I've got to deal with, with ugly people today and tomorrow and the next week. Because this, this world is filled with sinful people. This world is filled with people who can just be ugly. But the bottom line is this. Thanks be unto God that i got a heaven to look forward to. And I have a living hope that's taking me there through Jesus Christ who is raised from the dead. There is no funeral home needed for Jesus He is alive and well. Real joy is not found in having the best of everything, one man said, but in trusting that God is making the best of everything. Oh, that's good. That's good. The second thing is this. I don't want us to miss verse 9. Ooh, this is good. Let's start at verse 8. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That verse 9 ties right back into verse 3 where it says that according to His great mercy He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Those two tie together like a rope being tied together. It is talking about our salvation, our new birth, our belonging to Jesus Christ. So we need to embrace our new birth. Embrace it and understand that it is greater than any of the issues that we may be facing. Our new birth makes the difference, it gives us that anchor that changes everything. So those are the things that we must grab hold of. The focus, therefore, is on God's initiative in producing the new life. It's not us. It's not our abilities and our skill set and, and our to-do list, but it is on God Himself. All we have to do is grab hold and hang on, ladies and gentlemen. Just grab hold and hang on because knowing Knowing that Jesus has risen from the dead. Whoo, I got an anchor I can hold on to. I guarantee you that if Jason had the other end of this rope and I needed to go up on my house, Jason would do everything he could to be the anchor that I would not fall off my house. Amen, Jason? Jason is my neighbor, so if I ever need you to do that, I'm going to call on you. <laughs> one, one time, my son, we, uh, we were putting up Christmas lights and I got on top of my house. And my wife does not like it when I get on top of my house. She don't want me even getting on the porch on top without her being there. She, lo- she wants to make sure I'm okay. Well, one year before I got a little braver, I'm brave now and I don't even use a rope. 
But my neighbor has a harness because he used to go mountain rappelling and stuff like that. I put on this harness and I hooked up the rope. And I think it was Buddy. Buddy, was it you or was it E.E., Mama? Somebody was at the other end of the rope. And let me tell you, there's two things that I kept in mind the whole time I was up there. The rope that was attached to me and the person who had the rope. I'd often check just to make sure they were still holding the rope. And they were still holding it tight. Because I was a little nervous being on my roof that's uh, a little steep, you know, over the garage. But I kept looking to make sure that rope was anchored. Can I tell you today, look at the anchor we have in Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. Look at the anchor we have that we have an eternity that is prepared for us by Jesus himself. And one day we get to be with Jesus who created this entire rope anchor system. And we can embrace that our birth has brought us to that. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, all of our trials are under your control. You are a goldsmith and you are, you are working it to get rid of the bad in our lives so that you can see the reflection of yourself in our life. But Lord, we come to times when we are struggling to have hope. Lord, we pray today. We pray today more than ever that we would embrace and know that there is a living hope in our salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, today there may be some people, someone here, who has not experienced this living hope through salvation. Lord, before they can access the living hope, they have to be born again, as Peter said. We have to be born through that relationship with Jesus. So today it's just simply asking Him to forgive us and to take over our life, surrendering our life to Him so Today, if you've never done that, would you do that right now? Lord, we pray these things in the beautiful, wonderful name that has given us the anchor that goes to the past, the anchor that goes to the future, who has given us that living hope in that beautiful name.